Hey there, how's it going today? Thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna, and I'm wondering, have you ever signed up for our newsletter yet? So if you haven't, I'd like you to go to path11productions.com, scroll all the way down to the bottom, put your email address in, and you'll get a free gift from us. Also, it's a great way to keep on top of getting the podcast. Um, If you have to go directly to our site, uh, some people listen through Libsyn or Stitcher Radio, but if you want, in our newsletter, every week we send out a list of all of the recent guests and some of the past guests, so you'll never miss an episode, and if it's easier for you you to just click the links through email, then go ahead and sign up for our newsletter. We also give away great discounts, let you know when we have sales on the films, and much, much more. We are also looking for some sponsors for the Path 11 podcast to be able to keep all of this content coming out for free. Uh, We love the work that we do, and um, any help is greatly appreciated by you guys. So if you really like what you're listening to, I'd like you to head on over to the Path 11 podcast website, and I'd like you to click on the button that is in the right-hand corner, and it says, Become a Patron. And that will bring you to our Patreon site where you can donate as little as a dollar just to support some of the production costs that go into hosting a podcast. And we have other denominations from three to five to 10 to $25 a month. And there's no obligation to continue to support after your first month. So just something to think about if you're looking for a way to give back and invest your money into something that you feel is really beneficial to the world and is changing things. I think that we are adding something to the evolution of consciousness by having this podcast. I believe strongly in it. I hope you believe in me. And if you do, head on over to our page and help to sponsor us. So our show today focuses on the loss of a loved one. If any of you listeners have ever lost anyone through a tragic death, this podcast is going to bring you some comfort today. I have no doubt about it. So now let me introduce you to our guest. Today I'm joined with Suzanne Giesman, who is an evidential medium who provides stunning evidence of life after death. A spiritual teacher and the author of 12 books, she is a former U.S. Navy commander who served as a commanding officer, special assistant to the chief of naval operations, and as an aide to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Suzanne's gift of communication with those on the other side has been recognized as highly credible by noted afterlife researchers. Whether in her books, her classes and workshops, or her one-on-one sessions, she brings messages of hope, healing, and love that go straight to the heart. And we are so excited to have her as a guest on our podcast today. And we're going to be talking about one of her more recent books, Still Right Here. So welcome, Suzanne. How are you? It's great to be here. Yes, yes, it's great to have you. And, you know, I find your story really interesting. And I think our listeners will as well, because here we are talking to a former U.S. Navy commander turned medium. So you don't really <laughs> see that that much. And No, um, you don't. You don't. Right. And, uh, you know, and I also know in, you know, reading your book that part of your journey actually was um, ignited a bit by the death of your stepdaughter. That's right. She was a Marine as as well, you know, military service, just like her father and I. And so all of my work is dedicated to her. 
Yes. And so I was wondering if you could bring our listeners through your journey um, of how all of this began and the transition that happened. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the wonderful and beautiful stories of hope uh, in the book still right here. Certainly. It's important that people understand that I was completely unaware of the existence of a greater reality beyond this physical world until Susan's death. I had read a lot of metaphysical materials, but as far as personal experience, it was all theoretical that there was a spirit world and that we are spirits having a human experience. When Susan passed, I suddenly had to know if that reality existed. I needed to know that she was still with us. And the only way I knew to do that was through meditating and trying to connect with her myself, which I began the week after she passed, and then taking my husband to a medium to see if a medium could connect with her. And both of those methods helped us to connect with Susan and in such an evidential way that I could no longer deny the fact that death is not the end. It really changed my life and has put me on a completely different path that I never expected to be on because I've dived into mediumship head on and discovered that I have a pretty clear connection to those on the other side. I used to say I'm not a born medium because I didn't know I had these abilities, but my guides in spirit have corrected me and said, you are a born medium. Your abilities were just kept hidden so you could have those earthly experiences first. Right. Yeah. And I do have um, some experience working with uh, military personnel. I opened up a wellness center for combat vets with an acupuncturist about, I think it was back in 2008, and we were trying to serve them with more holistic means and methods. And then I then stumbled upon a job working at an Air Force base. And for two years for a contracted position. And one of the things that I also noticed was that, you know, even though you say you weren't born a medium, I find that people who are in the military are very, very sensitive and intuitive. Um, just because part, you know, part of their training, especially those who um, I worked with that were in a combat situation, you know, all of their intuitive and psychic skills are very high on alert. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they really have to go with gut instinct, and I feel like that. You know, they're they're kind of doing a sense of of channeling of spirit. Um, you know, when mm-hmm. when they are doing that work as well. That's a great observation. You you make me think of when I was aide to the chairman who was the, the top military officer in the country and I was constantly having to sense what he needed, you know, be a step ahead of him. So yeah, good observation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, I, I really love the book. Um there are, were just so many great stories. One of the things that I found that I'd like you to talk a little bit about are the signs with um the dove, the dove balloons, the butterflies, and, you know, ways that you and Ty, you know, your husband, um, really like started to become amazed by feeling that connection with Susan. And then you also met wonderful people, uh, through the organization that were helping bereaved parents. So I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about how spirit can connect with us through those signs. You bet. Uh, People who aren't familiar with the signs the spirit sends us can can hear people say, oh, I saw a butterfly and I thought of my stepdaughter and think, oh, look at that. That's their way of dealing with their grief. But the signs we're talking about, especially the ones I share in the book, are more than just we see a butterfly go by. It's a butterfly that that 
comes out of nowhere, flies around you in a circle, bounces into your heart, goes down a trail, bounces into your husband's heart, and then goes off just as you're looking, asking for a sign from your loved one. It's the bird that comes and sits outside your window and then pecks on your window for half an hour as you're thinking of your loved one. It's the the songs that play over and over with uncanny timing that catch our attention. There are so many ways, like flickering lights that have nothing to do with the electricity. Somebody last night told me about lights that were going on where there, when there were when the bulb had burned out. These kind of things never cease to amaze me and fascinate me, but I know that they're because of intervention from those on the other side, which is not some far-off place, but right here interpenetrating our world at a higher vibration. <laughs> yeah, and, and you gave also an example um, of you were pulling up to a house and then all of a sudden there was like this these herd of deers oh. um, that, sh that showed up on the person's property and that they hadn't seen any for a while. And there was something that you had wrote where you said, isn't it amazing how those in spirit can use the consciousness yes. of of animals. And, you know, I've always wondered, and I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that while we're on this um, topic here, because I always wondered, how is it that spirit does work with the birds that fly by okay. or the butterflies? And then, you know, when you said that, I was like, oh, wait a second. Now that makes sense to me. You bet. Well, really, if you want to go really deep, the answer, the final answer is that there is only one mind, one spirit one source fragmented into billions of expressions of itself. So it's really just the mind consciousness playing. But technically how it works at our level then is that as this was shown to me during a reading I gave. And the funny thing is the exact same thing was shown to another medium, Suzanne Wilson, who I mentioned in the book, had the same information come through during a reading with the same afterlife researcher the same week. And that is that uh, imagine you are a spirit in the spirit world, but your world is very physical to you there. It's all relative. And you see your loved one. There's your loved one walking down a road, thinking about you, missing you, thinking you're gone forever. And you see a bird nearby. All you have to do is telepathically as a spirit, send an intention to that bird and say, hey, help me out here. Let's go fly around a circle in them. And the spirit on the other side showed both both me and Suzanne Wilson, a little like a radio control set in your hands and you're the spirit and you lock consciousness with that bird, you merge and just guide that bird to do exactly what you want, to fly around in a circle, to hang around for a while. And what happened when I tuned into this message is we were told, Suzanne and I, the birds think it's fun. We both got the exact same word. So, you know, we, we, Merge our consciousness with birds or butterflies or dragonflies for them to do our bidding from the spirit world to send a sign to our loved ones. And they think it's fun. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And yeah, that that answers another question that I had, you know, thinking about uh, many times when people are grieving or if they're missing their loved ones, they might be praying to their loved one and say, please show me a sign. And then they turn the radio on and a song comes up. Um, you know, that reminds them or the bird flies by or they're seeing pennies and dimes and things of that. But when you mentioned earlier that, you know, the deeper sense is that we are all one, then yeah. maybe it's then then that makes sense, too, because I was.
was always thinking that maybe that was more law of attraction. Like, oh, I'm thinking it, I'm putting the energy out there. Please, grandma, you know, connect with me today. I need you. And then all of a sudden I get a sign, but it could could very well be as you're talking that interconnectedness of consciousness. It is very much that. But also I want you to turn your thinking around again and imagine that, you know, you can, people hearing about the songs may say, well, the DJ didn't just put that song on because you asked for it. No, here's what happens. Your loved ones know the playlist. They know what's coming up on the radio station. They in spirit put the thought in your mind, turn the radio on now. We often think our thoughts are our own, but where do these thoughts come from? There are many of them put there from higher consciousness or listen now, pay attention, what's on the radio now? And you just have this little thought and you tune in and, oh my gosh, there's my, my daughter's song or, or, oh gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've been given evidence that those on the other side tell us exactly what sign to look for when we ask for a sign, knowing that it's about to come into our path. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I can give you, do I have time to give you the perfect example of this? Yes, please yeah. do. In my book, Wolf's Message, written about a young man named, whose nickname was Wolf, um, the book came about when after I had been telling his story for a while, he dropped in on me from spirit and said, you need to put this in a book. And I said, oh, I can't, I don't have time to write another book. And he said, you need to do this. The message is too important. And I said, all right, well, I don't think it's going to be a big book. It's probably going to be a little book, kind of like that book Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album. That's what popped into my mind. And I thought, okay, if I'm supposed to write this book, Wolf, I need a really big sign because this is a big undertaking. Two hours later, I stopped to get my mail, and there was a package in the mail from Wolf's parents. It was a gift for me, a small little book by Mitch Album. Wow. <laughs> so clearly, Wolf in the Spirit World knew that was in my mailbox. He knew I was going to go get my mail. And he's the one that put in my mind, ask for a little book. And I can just see those in spirit rubbing their hands together saying, ooh, this is going to be fun. Watch this. You know? Yeah. And that's what your book, book really did for me, too. I mean, it was like story after story after story of yeah. just things that you can't explain away. And really how you started the book um, also, you know, shocked me a bit. And this is kind of on the same topic of how um, Susan, your stepdaughter, came to you in a dream and you had the dream before she was actually killed. Yes. The soul really does know so much more than filters down to our human awareness. Wolf's message is the perfect example of that. If, if you haven't read it yet, April, you really need to, because he's a young man whose soul clearly knew he was going to pass the next day. He left a poem describing how he would pass the same way as my stepdaughter struck by lightning. Now, that's not anything the human level can predict. And these types of things, I hear these kinds of stories quite often, for, especially from younger people, their parents, after they pass, say, you know, we all, we just had this sense they weren't going to be around for what we consider a full life. And that's because the soul knows. Right. And, and she gave you that message that she and the baby was okay. Yes, because Susan was six months pregnant when she was struck by lightning and that baby came through with her in a reading when my husband Ty and I went to see our first medium. And that's what just put my worldview on its end. It's like, yeah. you can't, how do you explain that? 
Right, right. And, and the other thing that I noticed too, as you were telling the stories throughout your book, it seemed as though your own mediumship skills were, um, maybe strengthening. So I remember there was a part in the book where you were saying, typically, you know, spirit wouldn't drop in just at a social gathering or at a party, you know, you'd kind of have to be more, um, you know, probably focused or it was in a one-on-one session. And so I'd like you to talk a little bit more about that just overall Mm -hmm. too, with, with mediumship and how that works and how it can begin to progress and different skills come in. And I know you also mentioned that, uh, Teresa Caputo is the real thing in your book. And you said, but unlike her, like you necessarily don't go around actually being able to see spirits um, as, as readily. So can you talk about how your mediumship started to develop? Yes, I'm, I'm doing a workshop this weekend with Suzanne Wilson, who I mentioned, and she at one time saw spirits objectively in the room there with her, with her eyes open, so much so that it frightened her and she struggled to turn it off. I pray every day, turn it on to my guides because it would be so much easier for me if I could see the spirits objectively. I rarely sense them until I sit with intention to do a reading with someone. And that's frustrating to me because I know the spirits are around their loved ones, especially at the events that I do, because their loved ones are thinking of them so much. But it is coming, as you said, coming in more clearly as the years go on for me. This is something that I've only been doing for nine years now, and I look forward to the day when I can sense them more. But for now, those experiences I describe in the book that I call drop-ins, when I'm not doing a reading and I'm suddenly aware of a presence of a spirit, I love those. I love those. Yeah. I I noticed too that, you know, I do some energy work, um, in my other practice and I would never consider myself, I don't call myself a medium per se, but Mm -hmm. there have been many times when spirit will come in and I've noticed, um, over the years that the skills definitely have changed. Like it used to be only during my energy sessions or Reiki sessions. And then, you know, when I sit with clients and we're talking to them, all of a sudden somebody enters, you know, stage left and I'm like, whoa, okay, this, this usually doesn't happen when I'm, you know, in the awake mind per se, you know, just sitting here and more in what I would say probably like the prefrontal cortex or, you know, just like being very logical. <laughs> oh, look at that left brain coming in. Could yeah. I explain? I would like to go a little deeper into that, though. Sure. That it's all part of each of our own spiritual paths to raise our consciousness, to raise our personal vibration. I teach that the highest vibration is love. And so as we clear our blockages as we raise our vibration by becoming the expressions of love that we are, then our connection with the other side gets better and better. So I love, I see now, I embrace that it's a gift that I don't see the spirits all the time. It keeps me working on me. It keeps me checking, how can I be a better channel of love for the universe? How can I get rid of my human tendencies and lessen my ego and be non-judgmental and just be the light? Because the more we do that, the easier it is to connect with the other side. So many of my sitters, my clients are not aware of their loved ones who have passed and that's because their grief gets in the way. And it is a tragedy that starts many people on this path 
And that's how we turn a tragedy into something better by seeing how we can raise the consciousness of our own soul and those around us as a result of it. And when you say, you know, grief can get in their way of having that contact, I know that there have been many people that I've been in contact with that will say, gosh, I just want a sign, or why won't my mom come to me in dreams, or um, how come, you know, my sister can connect with our mother all the time, but I just don't get anything. And would you agree that uh, that it is, that that too is also a part of the grief that might be blocking their connection or their ability to feel like they're getting messages from their loved one? I would agree with that, but I also don't want to completely blame it on grief. And I really want to caution anybody listening to not think there's something wrong with you. Each of us has an energetic field around us, and that's our antenna through which we attune to the higher realms. And so we simply have to find just the right way to tune in. And it's a tuning process, trying all kinds of different modalities, finding healers, clearing your chakras, meditating, thinking higher thoughts. Uh, we shouldn't become obsessed, says, <laughs> says the one who often becomes obsessed with it. <laughs> and, and just trust the process. Know that each of us will unfold differently and not compare ourselves to other people. Yeah. And how would you um, help somebody that is really trying to maybe develop a small part of their intuition to feel like that they can connect with their loved ones without having to go to a medium? Is there anything that you would recommend for them to begin oh to gosh. try? Yes, yes, yes. I have all kinds of things on my website. Uh, happily, several of them are free. Others are for a fee because of... For example, I have several CDs from the Hemisync company now for training the mind to be still. And uh, so that's what I recommend for people is right away, learn to get more into your right brain than your left brain. And uh, that's what my courses, my teaching are all about. Uh, sitting in the silence, practic practicing mindfulness throughout the day. The left brain is logical, analytical, thinking, reasoning, criticizing ourselves. The right brain just flows and sees the oneness and is silent and needs no thought. And Trust me, coming from my military left brain background as the aide who always had to have everything organized, categorized, labeled, planned down to the most minute detail, learning to get into that flow state in the right brain has been my biggest challenge. But when you set the intention and make it your heart's desire, your heart's desire to connect with the spirit world, then you find that perfect balance between the left and the right. And then the miracles happen. Yes. And for our listeners that have followed Mike and I, you know, the Path 11 Productions um, since the beginning, uh, I was so excited to actually see that you were connected with Hemisync. Um, I know Hemisync is a little bit different from the Monroe Institute, but Mike and I did a documentary on uh, oh, Hemisync music. And um, we also uh, worked a lot with the staff at the Monroe Institute as a part of our second documentary, The Path Beyond the Physical, and talking about how Hemisync music can really help, you know, with the brain and the the binaural beats to bring mm -hmm. you into that deeper state of uh, relaxation and consciousness. So that I was like, oh, that's so cool. 
Yeah, and I'm excited because the Monroe Institute is, I'm going to be teaching my mediumship class there later this year. I think it filled up already, so we're scheduling three more for already for 2019. I, I love that they are embracing mediumship because it's it doesn't have the stigma that it did in years past because people realize it is just another form of adventures in consciousness. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. That's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, now I wanted to shift gears just a little bit because I was interested to hear a little bit more about your blog, uh, Sanaya Speaks, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, you are. Okay. And with, with Sanaya, it sounds like that it's a collective consciousness of minds. Um, so is this something that you would call channeling that you're channeling a higher consciousness through the blog? Definitely channeling. And I'm so grateful because my original teacher in England, a British medium named Mavis Patilla, just got to witness me channeling Sanaya before a very large group at a local uh, event. And she she just loved it. She recognized the presence of spirit. And, and I can't deny it either, which is why I do these these public sessions. There are some clips on on um, on my website as well of me channeling Sanaya. And it's all about the experience of the love, the power, and the philosophy of those in the spirit world. Uh, people have even had actual healings attending the sessions. Uh, physical maladies they've had for years just suddenly disappear. So their higher energy is felt through their words, through their presence. And it's such an honor to, to channel them not only in special events, but every morning I connect with Sanaya and post their messages on my blog and on Facebook. And thousands of people listen and read those messages daily. And, and so many people say, that was for me today. Now, can for our listeners, can you describe what is the difference between channeling and mediumship, or is it one sure. of the same? It is a higher level. Mediumship is an active connection with those in spirit, back and forth communicating. I'm I'm saying to them silently during reading, well, what would you like to talk about today? How would you like to show your mother that this is really you here in spirit? Active with those in spirit. Channeling is passive on the part of the medium in that I go into a deeper state of awareness. I surrender my need to be involved. I get out of the way. I allow Sanaya to speak through me and they're just off and running. And I have no idea what they're going to talk about. The most fascinating part for everybody that attends these events is when people in the audience ask questions and then they know I'm not just making this up. This isn't prepared. The answers come fast, beautifully stated, much wiser than anything that I could come up with and always filled with love. Yeah, I've had a couple of experiences with that myself. And when we were talking about kind of the left and right brain, um, my experience when this happens to me personally, it's almost as if the brain shuts off. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But oh, yes. It's, um, it's your left brain shutting off. Yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy and weird and fun. And, you know, and it's almost like, where is this information coming from? And I've, I've been able to attune to that skill when I teach my meditation classes that I kind of, you know, set an intention and now, and, uh, I ask spirit to, you know, give me the ideas and to speak through me. And I no longer plan what I'm doing before my meditation classes. And, uh, 
it's been it's been a wild experience when it happens too and i just trust it you know yes that is channeling even if it's only channeling your higher self and we don't we don't need to identify who our guides are just that we're tapping into something beyond this normal waking human consciousness and i know for you time just seems to stop when you do that doesn't it it does yeah you're right and i'm also curious how how did you first connect with sanaya because you know when you have on you also have on your website about um what it means in arabic it's a flash of lightning and i yeah. when i saw that and i was saying oh my god well what a coincidence yeah. because yeah. suzanne had passed away from being struck by lightning and then here's this name so i was curious yeah. did you choose this name and do this research Research or was the name given to you and then you researched it and yeah. it was like, oh my gosh. So I, I would love to hear the story about that. Oh, it was definitely given to me by them. I was sitting in meditation. I'd had a year. This is all explained in my book, Messages of Hope, which I, I hope you'll enjoy that, April. Right? I had been receiving poems from the spirit world and meditation daily for a year. Beautiful rhyming poems that just flowed in minutes. So I knew that was my connection with the spirit world since I'm not a poet. And then, but I was getting a little old, you know, you can only rhyme so many words in the in the English language. <laughs> they were sounding kind of really corny after a while. And so all of a sudden they just stopped. And I, I actually felt bereft, like, where are our poems? And then a couple of days later, all of a sudden this, I sat and was hoping for a poem and this this presence dropped in. It was so powerful, but it felt both masculine and feminine. And I said, who are you? And they said, we are a collective consciousness of your guides. You will call us Sanaya and you will write and write and write as Sanaya. And that's how the daily messages started over 3000 of them. And then they started speaking through me, just like you described. And, uh, I did look them up immediately, looked up what Sanaya meant, and it, and it was a Sanskrit name meaning eminent, distinguished, and of the gods. And I thought, ooh, that's cool. It also means one worth knowing. And I thought, yeah, they are. And it was only a couple years ago that a friend came up to me and she said, did you know Sanaya is also an Arabic girl's name for flash of lightning? And I about fell off my chair. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I about fell off my chair too when I read that and saw that. I said, "I need to know. Like, what? What are the chances of that? You know?" Yeah. And and this is the thing because Sanaya's messages are beautiful and they are filled with love and incredible lessons for us. Even today is just a boy. They just say what we need to hear all the time. But uh, people might say, "Well, you're just making that up. That's nice." No, they throw in those things like "Flash of Lightning" is our name all the time. Even down to the photos that I choose to go with their blog posts every day often have an incredible meaning. Like one day they gave me a, a, a message about they used puppies in their analogy. And as I hear these words, I'm like, really? Puppies? And then they had me choose a puppy picture only to find out three hours later it was National Puppy Day. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love those guys. <laughs> yeah. I always find spirit too, to have when you tap into it and you know, these things happen that there's just, there's such a sense of humor and playfulness. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my other question about the collective consciousness. So, uh, another channeler that I'm familiar with many people are, are, is Esther Hicks, Esther mm -hmm. and Jerry Hicks channeling Abraham. Mm -hmm. And she also says that that too is a collective consciousness. So, I get a little confused 
so here's Sanaya, there's Abraham, there's many other channelers, right, that are channeling uh, either the Palladians or, you know, different people. And is that still all of the collective consciousness, but it's just being called something different so the channeler can identify uh, with a name? Or oh. are these really different groups of consciousness? Oh, you're, you're getting my lip twitching like crazy. That's my guide that always says, we're here, we're answering this for you. Um once again, it gets down to there is only one mind, and it is that one mind differentiated, individuated into various entities, beings, aspects of consciousness at different and different levels, higher and higher and higher. And here at our level of consciousness, we're only aware of so much, but they want us to know that at the higher levels, they still are not all knowing because the all-knowingness only occurs at the ultimacy. That's the level where there is no differentiation. So collective consciousness occurs so that we get varying amounts of this knowingness added together. Wow, you could tell I just kind of tapped into them right there. But let me then translate a little bit more as I get myself a little bit more grounded here that mm -hmm. It's really important for us to understand that our guides don't have all the answers. So what Sanaya has showed me is they bring together who, what entities, what beings are needed in each moment. Every time I do a public demonstration of Sanaya, it would be a different gathering. And I don't bother myself saying, well, which guide or which angel is this? I don't even know who they are except for my personal guide who's in there. But one evening, somebody asked a question of Sanaya, and for the very first time, there was a pause before they answered. And they said, you will wait while we find a scientist. And then seven, several seconds later, boom, they answered the question. It was mind-blowing. Wow. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it, it does, and I'm going to ask a follow-up question. It might be the same answer, but is there a difference between uh, the collective consciousness and Christ consciousness? Because, um, you know, yeah. I've been interviewing some people, and I know that there are other people out there who are um, now talking about channeling the feminine Christ consciousness. And so, again, I'm just trying to make sense of all of this. And is okay. it still the we are all one, or is this something totally different? Okay. So as I asked that question from the highest place, collective consciousness is that sea of awareness into which we can all tap, but that we can tap into. It's, it's, some would call it the Akashic records. The collective consciousness is the sea of all potential and all potential answers. Christ consciousness, to my understanding, is when we as individuated aspects of the collective consciousness come to realize we are that. Christ consciousness is when we have the awareness that we are the light. And so that is feminine and masculine and all that is and nothing at all. It simply is. Christ consciousness is that awareness of being the light, whereas a collective consciousness or the collective consciousness is a, is the information contained within that. Does that work for you? Yeah, I have to chew on that a little bit and digest it <laughs> and think about it. But yes, okay. So I, I think I'm beginning to understand a little bit more about what that that difference is. Um, thank you for answering those questions for me. 
Um, the, the other thing that I think is also important to talk about a little bit, as you know, many people probably are going to listen to this podcast and have experienced grief or the loss of a loved one in some way. And towards the end of the book, when you were talking about uh, the group of parents who that you were connected with who had also lost children, that they were talking about the children being in the, is it the ever life? Yes. Instead of the, instead of the afterlife. Right. That's what Sanaya said to call it. It's not the afterlife. It's the ever life. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that and that meaning because uh, there really is no death. And I'd that's like right. you to speak about that some more to maybe help ease anyone that's listening that does have a fear of death or really feels like um, there has been no connection with their loved ones or maybe they're believing that there's no such thing as right. an you know, as an ever life. <laughs> right. Well, nothing will take that away other than personal experience of connecting with it. I can tell you stories for days from my connection with those on the other side and they're magical and they'll open your mind to what's possible. But each of us needs to have that belief first and foremost that it's possible that there's an ever life and then set the intention to experience it ourselves and then take the action necessary to raise our consciousness to have those experiences. That's raising our awareness, practicing mindfulness techniques, but recognize that grief is normal. Grief is grief happens to all of us. And even knowing what I know, I'm sure that when close loved ones pass in the future, I will experience grief when I tune into my human aspect, but when you come to know that we are souls, not just human, we are both, then you learn to rise above the grief. So, oh, there's just, it's just so important to have the personal experience and that doesn't happen as long as we remain stuck in our human roles. You have to come to realize that you've identified with yourself as a human playing the role instead of the soul who's who is above the role creating the role so set that intention to to learn more about that and just through setting that intention books people tools will come into your path help you with your grief and you'll start to see the bigger picture and definitely having that experience, too. I mean, I would say one of the quickest ways really is to connect with a medium. But how would you work with somebody that might be having a conflict within their spiritual belief system about, you know, speaking or going to a medium and mm -hmm. really trying to, um, oh, you know, they might perfect. be curious, but yeah. Right. So. Uh, realize that it's our belief systems that stand in our way. Today's message from Sanaya was all about thoughts and how our thoughts keep us in suffering. And so look at your beliefs around mediumship. Is that something you have personally experienced or, or is it that it might be evil or wrong? Or is that something that somebody told you? I was grateful that I was not raised with anybody telling me it was wrong. I had no beliefs to undo. And so I have, through personal experience, discovered that mediumship is nothing but healing and love when done with integrity and honesty. So belief systems get in our way. It's really important to look at, was I told this or what is the actual experience of it? 
Great. Thank you for that. And I know that you do give private readings. However, you have over a three-year waiting list. Sigh. <laughs> yes. It's, it, that's the challenge with you know, when you get the word out there about how credible mediumship can be. People hear about you and they come to you. But there are, there are many, many, many excellent mediums out there. One place to start would be at the helpingparentsheal.org website. They have um, a wonderful list of mediums who have been uh, validated. There are many other groups, the Winbridge Organization, um, Forever Family Association, that have a methodology for finding mediums who are trustworthy. Please don't go to a medium that has not been referred to by somebody else because uh, you may have uh, not the best experience. It's really good for to have that personal recommendation of somebody who works with integrity and provides evidence of connection with higher consciousness. Yes. And I also like too, that you make your readings very affordable, even though you're booked out three years from now. Um, I have, I have seen, you know, when talking about the Christ consciousness, I was on somebody's uh, website researching that and they give a reading for almost $900. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, (laughs) like that's, that's a totally different clientele. And I like the fact that you allow um, you know, your readings to be affordable for just the, the human population. It'd be pretty easy to save some money up and get a reading, you know, from you, but people just have to wait. They have to be patient. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, and if people aren't able to actually get a reading, you know, soon, because you do have that waiting list, um, it sounds like you are going to be at the Monroe Institute teaching. And are there any other workshops that you have coming up in 2018, 2019 that you'd like to let people know about if they would like to attend? Oh, I'm teaching the class in various places around the country, and I actually now have the the course online as a video course, which excites me because there are people that could never get to my courses in person. So all of those are at SuzanneGiesman.com, as well as my events calendar. We're always adding, uh, I'm speaking at, oh, about four or five big conferences this year, an afterlife conference in Orlando and a Helping Parents Heal conference, uh, all kinds of exciting opportunities to share with people exactly what the title of my latest book says, that your loved ones who have passed are still right here. Wonderful. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast. I really enjoyed your book and and speaking with you. And we actually might get a chance to meet in person because uh, our plan this year for Mike and I is to attend the Afterlife Conference. So oh, excellent. Well, yeah, thank you there, for the work we'll you hello. do. Thank you for for helping to get these messages. I call them the messages of hope out to more people. That's that's what we need in this world, isn't it? More, not just hope, but the knowing that that this life is not all there is. It is. And that's definitely why we do what we do. So thank you for being a part of that. You're welcome. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time.